It's difficult not to venerate a woman like Cynthia Scaberis. She's a woman of intent, of action, of joy and effervescence, who creates the world she wishes to live in in the best ways she knows how. And it's inspiring to watch her go. I quite literally described her to a friend once as the bubbles that burst from a champagne bottle. Although an accomplished photographer and editor-in-chief of Yoke magazine, she is unlike what we would typically call a practicing artist, but more perhaps a mother of creativity and of spirit. She's one of those artists who delights in giving others the platform to speak, relishing in the color and vibrancy and diversity and downright fun of working together with others, deeply recognizing and understanding that the work of change is something no person can do on their own, and that indeed there is a call of time to rise up, to listen deeply, and meet that urge within. My literally endless praise for who she is and how she chooses to show up in life, and for something greater than herself, again, makes it difficult for me not to venerate such a woman. But as you will hear, our mutual adoration is in truth born of a very, very deep regard for each other. It can be challenging to stand in the light of someone who sees you so deeply, so lovingly, and so consistently so. But arguably, that's the role of a mother. Much like I imagine it would be to stand with full awareness in the face of the divine, and how that one would look upon the spiritual essence the very spirit that each of us is. It's rather fitting then that Cynthia sees the work of the divine being as so deeply intrinsic to, and not separate from, the work of our own hands. And so we might talk of these things of spirit, of art, of social betterment, separately, but not as being separate from the other. And therefore it was not at all surprising that all of these things, and more, came to light when Cynthia and I finally got the chance to sit down at a very COVIDly online distance <laughs> and chat. So I'm just utterly delighted to be here with the extraordinary and ever effervescent Cynthia Scaberis, editor-in-chief of Yoke magazine and a woman who truly embodies the energy of the creative and of a mother. She is someone who is a sincere friend, an enduring mentor, and someone who creates and holds space for other people to create within, and is very much the reason that this podcast exists at all. So, Cynthia, first of all, thank you very much for your time in conversation with me around this very interesting question of the call of time, this question of what is time calling us to do as artists, as people in the world, who, as creatives. I'd love to begin by asking you, well, actually, I'm going to turn it around completely and just say, what is it that perhaps you're feeling time is calling you to do at this time? Well, firstly, bless you. Bless you for being so able to see and feel into your everyday. I feel like we've received a big slap in the face, you know. I feel like a week ago I received my own slap where I realised 
that what I was standing for in terms of, you know, what I created um, five years ago in the way of a print magazine, which was really waving the flag of consciousness and creativity, was something that was so profound that I had to show up to that in a bigger way. It was it was quite an extraordinary thing where I just kind of went, wow, you know, every day has kind of felt really different and as I've moved into uh, preparing myself for lockdown, um, I just felt like sitting in the stillness was all I could muster. Um, and feeling into my own needs of how I can show up and feeling connected to everyone else in the world like, like never before. This slap in the face was so profound. It was like, it was like my words came to me. I had to retreat, I had to recharge and I had to rethink how and what I am and how I show up in the world. But without retreating and recharging, um, which I think we're all doing now. Yeah, it's like the rest isn't possible. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that includes how creativity, you know, shows up in my world too. And I think we can all kind of sit in this world of, um, you know, productivity, like I've got to be productive. If I'm not being productive, I'm not crea- being creative, you know, like all of that. Um, so for me it was really important to recognise that I am retreating right now and I'm retreating for something bigger than myself. But I feel, you know, as a creative, not much has changed for me. I kind of make it up Mm. every day. Um, But there is something really profound in the shift of feeling connected to everyone around the world, which I don't think I've ever felt. And I know a lot of, I I know this is probably something that everybody else feels too. You've touched on so much there. I I really echo your experience of needing to not only honour but dive into the silence and feel like there was nothing else. My experience was about last, oh God, was it only a week ago? Um, I had a boring old cold, but world being what it is, I was you know, advised to stay home, rest up. And in that time, it's like all my mind could hear was the deepest silence, like it was thrust upon me. And I feel like at this time, everyone is being asked to look with that very, very close mirror at themselves of of how we show up in the world and what it is we want to generate and contribute to the world. Um. I think something really, really important at this time in that shift or perhaps something that will enable that shift from busyness to stillness is honoring and listening to our deeper needs. Um, I don't think it's a time for haste. If anything, I feel our groundedness and our, or other way around, our, there is a need for grounding and for going slow and moving forward with like steadiness and allowing ourselves to make decisions that we feel are, that are like empowered because we made them. I learned this beautiful lesson on the mat once, the yoga mat, (laughs) um, of moving forward with strength rather than momentum. 
And it's like by going inside, you can kind of, yeah, you can really start to listen to what's happening in your inner world and start to sift and sort through your thoughts and overload and you can start to then perceive the world around you with those eyes of quiet clarity that enable us to make decisions about how we want to show up you know even those small decisions around how we want to step forward moment by moment yeah I mean in terms of that, that that's what we need to listen to I feel in terms of the call of time your words were showing up to our own creation I think perhaps this is one of the greater challenges of silence for people in general and also perhaps for artists, although you know, I know we tend to be slightly more, some of us perhaps, <laughs> tend to have a yeah. strong eye in the looking eye. I think stillness is really scary for a lot of people. I mean, I love being still, mm. <laughs> you know, and when mm. I say not much has changed for me, I mean... I'm making it up every day as as somebody that's a freelancing creative. You know, I, I'm so privileged that I get to make it up. But one of the things that I don't think I could live without is is my yoga mat, getting on my yoga mat every morning because that that to me has been where I feel like I can take refuge in whatever's coming up. You know, I can give it all to Mother Earth. I can give it all to Gaia and I can give it all to my gods and my goddesses. I can give it all and I know that they're carrying it and holding it. Mm -hmm. And this last week has been, you know, my thing has been about ease. Like Mm -hmm. my practice has been about generating the, the, the desire to be at ease and not buy into or not fall into this whole kind of info, you know, oversaturated fear and panic. Mm. And um, the world and what's around, you know. Yeah. And I want to read this quote. Yeah, please do. Yeah, this quote was from um, The Four Global Truths by Darren Drada, who, who gives me comfort. Um, and he says, we are co-creative participants in a great cosmic adventure. Uncertainty is not a burden of which we need to rid ourselves. Mm. It is a blessing that evokes our creativity, enlivens our spirit and keeps our hearts in the game. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I read this quote like years ago, but somehow now it lands so differently. And um, yeah. I've always loved it, but now it's just like we're so in this together. Um, our hearts are really what's keeping us in the game. Totally. And, I mean, there's so many expressions of love coming up at this time. It's extraordinary. Yeah. It was like um, it, to sort of paraphrase other sort of spiritual contexts that I step into, uh, mainly the Brahma Kumaris, there's this idea that the world changes or pivots at the time when both the urn of everything that is destructive and I'll use the word dark and everything that is sort of light and generative and of benefit when they're sort of both full, that's the tipping point in a strange way. Because, you know, spirituality always has lovely paradox in it. I'm not sure how that would play out, but it's there. And I think we see both filling up at this time. I love that we, you know, we had a conversation prior to actually deciding that we would have this um, 
sort of formally recorded podcast <laughs> conversation. Um, and, you know, we both had that lovely quickening of heart at the idea that this time, like we've never as a global collective sat in a time that was more palpably creative. It is the unknown space where we create new things, you know, where we have, um, where we can change and generate any sort of social system or economic system or, or generate new art or whatever it is that our heart has been calling us to hear. This is the time for us to listen to that internal call. When we first met, you shared a story of how you listened to this inner call of I remember vaguely there was like this crisis moment for you and things were crumbling, things were collapsing and there was this turning point. And I think that's when Yoke as the magazine was born. And I'd love if you could share with us that story and, and give yeah, us sure. guidance as to even what it is that I might listen for. If there's something that they're not used to listening to. Yeah, look, I don't think my story is all that interesting to tell you the truth. I know. <laughs> Left a mark on me. I mean, just, I, just, I love the, the turning of it. It was, it was this dramatic yeah. phoenix yeah. rising out of the ashes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was, a, it was definitely a spiritual awakening, if I could say it in that sense, without, without using too many um, fluffy words. But <laughs> Spirit is really resonating with me right now, so I'm just going to use that. But mm -hmm. let me say one thing first, which um, was in reference to what you were saying before around it's time for us, you know, like it's time for us. And this is clearly why we're having a conversation, right? This is why yeah. we decided to have this conversation. Um, so, yeah, it is time. It's time. It's definitely time. But in the words of Danielle Laporte, who yes. I've kind of been listening to recently, yes. she says that spirituality is a dance with presence mm. that, you know, and that's exactly what we're in right now, right? It's, mm. it's a spiritual exercise. Um, so spirituality is back on my list of saying out loud. I stopped mm. there for a while, like consciousness, mm. you know, and mm. mindfulness. But we are in a time of spirit and I guess, um, you know, she also says now is the time for our ut utopian dreams to play out for human yes. good, you know. And yes. I am a fiery Aquarian that just <laughs> wants to, you know, change the world. And in a crazy way, I think me falling into independent publishing was me wanting to, to, to kind of leave that little you know, that small vehicle of consciousness out in the world because I so deeply had this need for us to wake up, mm. wake mm. up to what we're doing to Mother Nature mainly. So, And how, oh yeah. yeah. No, no, continue. Because oh, I was going to say, so what I'm hearing you actually say, though, is the thing that propelled you beyond the wall of fear because what I'm actually also seeing a lot is, I guess, through looking at my own experience and the deep sands that are churning in me at this time and the things that I'm confronted to leave behind within myself and the way even I used to see the world and all that stuff, um, to move beyond that fear is to actually have, it's not just like a love for the world, but it's, it's funny, it's like a, a vision of something that pulls you, it's a motivation it's not just a, a what, but a why, you know, there's like, 
my my love for something else enabled me to step beyond my fear of financial circumstance to imposter syndrome to um, comparison with other people, which is always ego driven. Either you know, um, yeah. the beautiful uh, phrase that a Charlie Hogg, who's the national coordinator of the Brahma Kumaris, he says, there's the ego of inferiority and the ego of superiority. But stepping beyond any of those limits comes when we actually fuel our love and our determination to strive for something better as more than when we give that more power than our than whatever the limitation is that we've been holding on to really, the fear that we've been holding on to. Oh, so beautifully said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and look, and I think I think women suffer from it probably more than men in terms of that imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, you know, as I get older, I, you know, nearing 50, mm. I'm kind of like over myself. I'm over, yeah. I'm over the fear. I'm over the anxiety around how I'm going to look out there or how am I going to sound or, you know. I'm, I think that's the beauty of being getting older um, is that you kind of have to drop it. Otherwise you live in this, you live in, you know, anxiety, which is Mm. just a crazy way to live. But, you know, it was the words of Marianne Williamson that really provoked me into starting. I love how you have all your gurus. (laughs) Sorry, Marianne. Don't you love it? I I adore it. To be honest, I had, um, I had some, something of my own that I wanted to, to share and, I'll, I've just remembered where it came from. So thank you for prompting me with all of your gurus. <laughs> but do share with yeah. us, Marianne well, Williamson. Well, also it's very important to know that we're not, you know, that, that we take inspiration no, from, from others. And stand on you just don't know, Sorry. and you don't know where, where, um, you don't know where those seeds are planted or where, that, where those words land, you know. But she yeah. said, and this was a long time ago, this, was, this is what inspired me five years ago, but she said, you know, it's, it, this is an all hands on deck moment in time mm-hmm. and that there's no time for any of us to drop off. But five years ago, it landed for me in a place where I really wanted to kind of create something that was kind of the vehicle that reminded us that we needed to be better to ourselves and we needed to be better in community and we needed to be better to our planet, you know, like in short, that's pretty much what it was. And those reasons, quite frankly, was because I was totally disillusioned and distressed with our world's social and ecological mess, you know, and how I was going to show up in the world and, you know, was my desire to somehow make that that difference. And so it was clear to me that we were at a time in history where, you know, this the the short-term view of growth um, was not good for us. It wasn't good for our planet and it certainly wasn't good for our individual well-being. But it wasn't good for society. No, I mean, it's <laughs> the tra- trajectory that we've been on for a long time has not been good. And, I mean, for me, I'm kind of like inspired by the the recognition, I guess, that what's happening in our world is that everything that had to go is going. You know, the yeah. you, know, you spoke again about the the sort of a distorted sense of what productivity looks like. We've turned productivity mm. into busyness. And um, yeah. I'm going to jump on your little bandwagon of um, referring to other greats. So Daddy Janki, who is the 
pretty much the administrative head. She's like 104 as best we know because she was born in Karachi in the 19, I don't know, 20s or something. We don't even know birth certificate or something. But as far as we know, she's 104 and she's been a yogi for like 70, 80 years. And she's one of the great spiritual leaders at this time. Um, And what was her thing? She said, busyness is actually laziness. Because what you're not doing is you're not looking. That that was her phrase and my extrapolation from that is that you're being lazy about doing the inner work that needs to happen to enable you to create the life that you want for yourself and for your immediate environment and meaning people around you and for the broader society around you. And you're not pausing to reflect and do what needs to be done. And you're not learning to look at yourself and I guess your thoughts and to, to do the work, right? The real work yeah. that needs to happen, which is the inner transformation stuff. You're just keeping busy with activity, which again, keeps us in that momentum rather than totally. with clarity and strength. And I'm, I'm thinking then, you know, in terms of this, this, what you were describing um, for Marianne Williamson about what do you perhaps see as the role of artists and creatives as a collective at this time, do you think it's as it's always been? Like we've always been sort of pitted as the dreamers, the visionaries, the ones who bring the world of possibility down and manifest it for others to see. Um, do you think that's more nuanced at this time? I mean, art is never has it been truer you know that that through art we see the human psyche I mean it's just it's just how we express ourselves as humans and how we see ourselves right mm. um and I I think that creativity is creativity we're all creative we're all creative humans because just by the sheer nature that we are all humans we're all creative mm-hmm. um but being an artist is, is, I mean, it's a heavy, heavy burden to carry right now, you know. I mean, we've seen, I think, what's really fascinating right now in Australia anyway is how uh, bushfires not very long ago meant that um, we raised, I don't know the figure, but it was quite significant through artists, mm. you know, a lot of artists mm. that kind gigs of put themselves things, out yeah. there, gigs and raised money. And it was really celebrated as a, as a way of recognising how important that is to our culture, how important mm. artists are to our culture. Um, as a way of celebrating. Way of, that's right, celebrating and also of feeling well, of feeling like you're being part of something that is inspiring, right? Yeah. Um, and I like the one. I like the connection you've made between celebration and wellness. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can have. I don't think they. Can well, laughter therapy is a thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But um, it will get us through. Sorry to let you continue. But you know, now that we see, um, we see what's happening with with the industry, the arts. Um, and the creative industry is pretty much just dead overnight. You know, all of the festivals cancelled, artists that are out of work, um, you know, all sorts of artists. Um, But it's really challenging. 
it's a challenging time. It's a really challenging time for them. But it's really crazy how we can see that our that our structure, that our that our um, you know our productivity around what we think is you know a good societal structure that values only a certain level of exponential growth and productivity isn't fulfilling us. We know that. Mm. But here we are in a place where society, um, the capitalist society is showing us that, that this is not serving us, definitely not serving us because you know, we, haven't, we haven't found a way to like help people that actually have now got no income. You know, like we haven't found a way to help these people um, that are creatives living in pretty stressful times right now. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting. I'm still, um, I think of myself, I'm still rummaging for a response, I guess, to this question that's come up for me around what is the role of artists and creatives in society. I, I think for a few reasons. One is um, obviously I'm someone who values everyone's role in society. And if we're creating, if this is the time of destruction, and I love this biblical reference that came up in my mind a while ago. Actually, it was a theme that came up when I was traveling in South America. Um, I realized that I think it was a Quechuan, which were the kind of which was the civilization prior to the Incas who built the um, Machu Picchu. And I hope I got that right. It is the Incas. <laughs> um, yeah. And just momentarily brain lapse. Um, but in their, you know, community, in, they have, um, no, sorry, the Quechuan, the Quechuan were the um, descendants. That's right. So in Quechuan culture, there's this thing of, um, oh, I can't even remember it now, but, but darkness was not something to be feared. There was this theme that mm. came up of dark is the time of creation. And this, if you look historically, there are so, and, and internationally, even though in Western society we sort of fear the dark in that, oh, the nighttime is scary or the boogeyman under the bed, the sort of fear of the unknown Darkness is where veggies grow. Darkness is where babies grow, arguably where babies are often made. <laughs> you know, in the Bible, there was darkness before the world was created. There is this theme of knowing that the, the space of the unknown that you were also mentioning earlier is the time of creation. So I don't know, maybe it's an interesting thought that is time calling us to do something or is it, are we now holding time itself in the palm of our hands that we can move forward with and create the reality of our time? <laughs> um, oh my God, that's, that's really deep. I know, right? I did. Um, it's just, yeah, sorry, I hadn't, really I hadn't pre-thought that one to be honest, but that's, that's, maybe that's the turning of time rather than being ones who are moved by time. I know maybe momentum. This is the time where we hold time and create our time. To, just a question then of what you, what is it that you're feeling for people? What do you think will enable people and artists to keep moving forward and to not get lost in the dark or to become, um, yeah, lost or subsumed or covered up by it at this time? 
you know, everything that you're, that you were saying, I just kept going back to, um, the idea of hope, you know, like, Mm. um, hope is, hope is needed. You know, it's, it's obviously critical that we all have hope, but we're in such a remarkably, uh, profound shift in the way that we see things and in the way that we create things, particularly our social structures, right? Like we are society. We can make all of this change. Um, and from our different perspectives and our frameworks and how we sit in our own, you know, in our own kind of uncertainties, there, there has to be a way in which we also are able to be kind to ourselves and take refuge, I think, at this time. I think there's a lot that we ask of our artists to be the ones to shine a light on our uh, shadows and, you know, our, our psyches. And I think that's obviously the role of the artist, of an artist. You know, I think we, we, we have huge um, expectations that the artist is kind of the one that's going to highlight our crazy psyche of what it is to be human, you know. And um, I think it's, it's it's all of our role now to be creatives in the way that we rethink how we take our personal gifts into the world, you know, like whether that is an engineer or a or a um, librarian or or an artist, you know, like how do we how do we put that in the world that is significantly gonna change the way we think and the way that we do things. Um is that what you were? Th- is that what? Yeah, is no, that what you were thinking? I guess the the intensity with which I'm thinking about these things momentarily flipped the tables for us and made you the interviewer and me the. <laughs> so I, oh, I love your intensity. I think it's fabulous. <laughs> I kind of sit here going, oh yeah, I think. Um, but I'd love I think to the conversation around how we how the world is changing so drastically quickly, right? Mm. In and how do we, how do we at the same time hold that duality of like being in the world, retreating, and then deciding how we're going to show up in it? You know, mm. like that's what's going on for me. Like for me, I, I, it's really clear that retreating is where I need to be. I need to just um, be still. And, you know, and I think as an artist, you know, it's, I don't know, I can't say, I'm, you know, I don't really consider myself an artist. I just consider myself a, a creative, um, which is, you know, interesting in itself that like what, what makes an artist um, and, you know, how affected are artists right now? They're very affected by all of this, like we all are. Mm. I, I really want to... Um just hold what you've said and make that the last word. So what I really heard you saying again was what you're hearing as the call of our time, if you allow me to paraphrase, is a necessary retreat, not from the world, but a retreat within ourselves while still holding the balance of that 
or even using that as fuel to show up in the world. And one of the glorious questions perhaps. And not, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, say what you're going to say. And not from a place. Sorry, I lost you again, Cynthia. You were saying not from a place of. And not from a place of hopelessness, you know. Yeah, very much like yeah, juicy, de- juicy delight, you know, like the sparkle for the creative energy of this time. It's, it's so I, I can even notice in myself, like it's easy to get very quietly contemplative, but then to kind of burst forth with joy, you know, at, at all the juice that can, you know, can come and all that energy that comes totally. from the world, you know. Um, totally. And magic color. happens in that creativity, you know. Magic yeah. happens in creativity. And, and I love that we've been called to dig deeper in that world. You know, yes, we have. Yes. We've been called. And maybe then a beautiful question that you've left us all to think about is this question of what does it mean to be a creative in terms of how we would like to be creatives in the world that we are creating with all those little steps that we take in our lives now, that sense of that yoga practice, again, of something that you do consistently consistently that leads to an outcome. It's really a question, I think, for everyone, um, regardless of your vocation, of how do, we, yeah. how do we want to, or how do we want to be? And let me start being that now and not waiting. Let me hearken to the call of time and let me be who I want to be as a, as a person. Let me be that now. So thank you so much, Cynthia, for the, <laughs> the jewels. I, I always think of you um, in like with these, the, I, think, I think you actually took them yourself. Um, a couple of years ago at Vivid, you were the photographer for um, this kind of gold-covered Atlas Talisman. Um, he was Bravo Child at the time, and there was another image of like a sort of multicolored, glittered mask. And I always think of you in terms of like con- glittery confetti. Or let's go with environmentally sustainable glitter <laughs> confetti, sort of like floating yeah. in the air, but not with any sort of volcanic eruption that's kind of overwhelming. Just this is kind of like wonder oh. and awe and yes. delight. You know, and thank you. That for was the Sydney the- Fringe. Yes, yeah. that, that was yeah, the Sydney Fringe, of course. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, so just so much. You bring you bring that delighted awe and wonder to your expressions of life, and that is definitely a, a role of an artist, and I guess something that we can all um, take a quickening of heart. <laughs> From like a, it's a role model. You really are a role model in that sense for for how a creative can live with that that loving awe and reverence and sparkle for what you see in the world. It's it's um it's an honor and a delight to sit in conversation with you. So thank you, Cynthia, for your time. Oh, absolutely an honor. <laughs> Privilege is all mine. What a treat. And I think that. You know, I think we really need to, although we're in isolation, in our own self-isolation, we should not, um, we shouldn't let that stop us from actually communicating with 
real people. So picking yeah. up the phone, I know I'm picking up the phone more to friends and family like never before. Yeah. Um, Stay grounded yeah. in the real world. It's very important. Yes. Time. Totally. Very yeah. important. Um, just as a final word, if people are wanting to get a copy of Yoke magazine, do you have any arrangements available? Because if people especially are going to be in self-isolation, then this might be the perfect time to pick up a real book. Sadly, Yoke has sold out. Oh, that's, that's a wonderful thing. I, I know it is a beautiful thing. I know, when, I know. You know, when I have this, what's the theme of the next edition? The next issue is around the feminine. So, oh, wonderful. Um, Cynthia yeah, Spadaris. but you know what? What I will want, what I do want to say in 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 response to No Yoke magazine for sale. Sure. But um, you know, a few years ago, I opened up my home to long table suppers. Yes, of course. Suppers called Suppers Unyoked, which happened every month um, with about twenty seven people. Mm-hmm. at the table hearing from notable religious leaders and academics. The last supper we had was with um, David Ritter, the CEO of Greenpeace. Mm-hmm. And last year, in fact, we were kind of like sharing, we had a special guest was sharing on the pillars of well-being, which were love, beauty and belonging. Um, so obviously we had to, you know, give up our intimate suppers for yes. now. But what I will be doing is taking those online. So we're going to oh, have fantastic. some Friday evenings Shabbat dinners with some <gasps> special um, beakers. How's that? It sounds fantastic because, I mean, I personally have been wanting to host. Um, actually, look, I'm going to say thank you and going to stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe what we need to do is get you as one of the special guests to uh, I our would next be, supper. I would be crazy honoured. I've actually been wanting to host Shabbos dinners in my home for the longest time and I just have not actually had the circumstances to do it in. So, hey, let's go virtual. Let's go viral. Let's spread the feminine. Let's spread Shabbos. Let's step into the silence. Oh, my God, so let's much on Shabbos. It. Let's do it. It's done. Projects, there you go. Creative. <laughs> to anyone listening, there we are. if you get a yeah. sense of what this woman is like, she is indomitable under any condition and I think it's because she knows how to listen to the, her own inner calling. Um, oh, Love you heaps, Cynthia. Thank you. Love you too. You bring to the world. Um, I will be, yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm going to stop recording now. You're excited. I am excited. So excited. Yeah. Okay. Bye. And that's what she's like. A mother who creates, a mother who listens to herself and others. And a mother who can't help but leave you feeling enlivened and enthused about yourself and the future. What an inspiration. But my conversation with Cynthia left me thinking more deeply about this recurring theme we had of showing up, both for our creations and for something greater than just the self. I was also very aware of my own almost desperate hastening and rush within the conversation to understand and grasp what it is that I have to do, that I have to show up for, despite articulating a deeper desire to actually slow down and to move with grounded steadiness. And it occurred to me that perhaps that is the call of time, to quite simply honour the mother within, the one who listens patiently and sees deeply, understands lovingly, 
and consistently encourages us to show up in our own light, unique and deserving. And in light of this, the call to slow down isn't with the intention to dampen or rein in our vitality or passion, but rather simply to pause at the very least, to take a peaceful breath so that we can listen deeply and more clearly to that which is seeking to rise from within. For myself at least, this turned the urgent question of what do I want to do to who do I want to be? Then I can show up and respond to whatever it is that is happening in life with the inner qualities of who I already am. Be it a fiery Aquarian, a silent yogi, a dancing hippie-go-lucky, an impassioned thespian, a contemplative academic. However we choose to show up in the world, can we respond to life moment by moment, happy and truly content to just be me? In the magical way of things, today, as I record this, is literally Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to my own physical mother, to the Divine Mother, and to each of us that we may show up as mothers to the creation of our own lives.